hand. An usher will bring you a sermon hand out. Just leave your hand raised. Raise your hand, and within five seconds of your hand being raised, an usher will bring you a handout. It's amazing how quick they are. I mean, it is absolutely phenomenal. If your hand is raised more than five minutes and you don't get a bulletin, we will give you a $5 gift card to heaven. You can spend anywhere you want to in heaven, wherever you want to. <laughs> there, should, there was one actually in your, was there one in your seat? There might have been. Okay, so we're starting a new series. Are you ready? Say, oh yeah. Okay, okay so my wife made this banner for our new series. It's going to be an eight-week series. Isn't that pretty? And so let me tell you how it works. Several years ago, I was having lunch with somebody, a friend of mine. We were just very shallow conversations, just talking about, you know, whatever was going on in the world. And all of a sudden, he got real deep, and he said, John Paul, what is the meaning of life? What is the, what, what's the goal? What do I, where do I, how do I get from point A to point B all the way to point Z? What should I pursue? How does this work? What is the order of life? Like, like what are we supposed to do with our life? Like, what is our focus? How do we get to where we're supposed to go? And so I began to research, and after several months, God, God actually your character. And whatever your character is, that is what your destiny can contain. You cannot go further in your destiny than your character will allow. Let me say it this way. If God's word is the final authority in your life and you put God's word into you and it comes out of your mouth, you read, write, listen to uh, God's word, God's word will produce godly thoughts. Godly thoughts will produce godly feelings. If you want to know how God feels about the unsaved, and you want to think that way, then you have to get into his word and see what he says. If you want to know how God feels about your circumstances or your children or your enemies, then you have to start with God's word to get God's thoughts to have godly feelings. Godly feelings produce godly beliefs. And when you have this belief deep down inside of your heart, it will produce actions in your life. You act based on what you believe. You might not know that, but when you, if you believe your hand's going to get burn if you touch the hot stove, then your action will be to not touch the hot stove. And so godly actions, if you do it over and over again, it turns into godly habits. And godly habits will produce a godly character in your life or a level of integrity that God wants you to have. And listen, if you have a godly character, it will get you to a godly destination or the destination that God has for your life. Are you intrigued yet? Okay, negative words, negative words will produce negative thoughts. If you're around negative words or you speak negative words or you're listening to negative words, you will walk away and you'll begin to think negative things. Negative thoughts will produce negative emotions, things you should not feel. You should not feel insecure because God is your father. You should not feel jealous of someone else's gift. You should not feel fear. But that will happen if you're thinking those thoughts. Negative feelings will produce negative beliefs. And you'll start to believe things that are untrue. God can't use me like he used them. I've made too many mistakes. God's mad at me. Whatever it is you believe. Uh, negative beliefs will produce negative actions. And you will act based on that negative belief. Negative actions, if you do it enough times, will give you negative uh, habits in your life. Complaining. You know, going to bed too late. Missing church. Negative habits will produce a negative character. And listen, a negative character will always get you to a destination that God never wanted you to get to. You have a negative destination. 
here's what's so interesting about this. Any area of your life, whatever the destination is right now for your marriage, wherever you're at in your marriage, wherever you're at in your finances, wherever you're at in your relationship with your children, wherever you're at at your workplace, listen, if you don't like where you're at, all you got to do is just backtrack and see at what point in this order of life did you get off course? If you don't like the destination in your marriage, you have to ask yourself, what is my level of integrity like right now? What kind of habits did, did got me to that, that, that level of character? What are my actions I've been taking? If, let's say there's something you believe about yourself that's a lie. You believe that you're ugly or unattractive. Why do you believe that? Well, you have to ask yourself, what have I been feeling? What have I been thinking? And where do those words come from that are lies? Who spoke that over me that isn't true? What was the origin? See, um, a, a, an orange does not come from the branch of an orange tree. The branch of an orange tree does not come from an orange tree. An orange tree does not come from the, 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 the stem or the, um, the trunk of the orange tree. Thank you. The, or, the trunk of the orange tree does not come from the root of the orange tree. The root of the orange tree comes from the seed. It all came from the seed. And so what we do is in life we try to uh, focus on the symptoms how can I fix this bad habit? And that's fun. Well, why, why, why do I feel this way? Those are symptoms. The root is the seed. And if you will backtrack to the seed, I promise you, if, you're, if, you're, if your seed started with God's word, then I promise wherever you're at in that area of your life, you need to just keep on doing what you're doing because you're going to succeed the way God wants you to. But if the root of the symptom you have is not the word of God, you're in for trouble and you need to change the seed that's being planted in your heart. Are you even more intrigued now? Yeah. Are you excited? Man, the next eight weeks are going to change your life. I promise you're going to be very excited. So part one today, I want to talk to you about words. Words are a first cause. They are a first. I taught you last week when we ended our series on spiritual maturity and we talked about the mouth. I taught, remember, God created with what? Words. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let the earth bring forth seed, and it brought forth seed. He said, let the waters be divided, and they were divided. Words are a first cause. Let me show you some scripture to back it up. John 1, 1, in the beginning, in the beginning, everybody say the beginning, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And if you keep reading, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. His name was Jesus. The, 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 the seed of your destiny is Jesus Christ. If you don't start with that seed, you're not going to finish where he wants you to finish. Now listen, uh, you say, let's go back further. The seed was when God created the universe. Guess what? He used words. The Bible actually says even before the foundation of the world, he knew you. The seed has always been God and his word. Um, you know the scripture, Luke 8, 11. Now watch this. This parable is talking about the, the best seed you could ever plant in your life. The seed is the word of God. When that seed, when the word of God is planted in good soil, watch this. It's like people who hear it. Okay, remember faith comes by hearing the word. So now you're hearing it. It's getting in your mind, right? Um, they retain it. Now they're starting to believe it. They hold on to it. It's on the inside. And then they obey. There's some actions going along. And here's what happens. They produce what God wants them to produce. They produce fruit. So words are for now. Some of you are thinking, um, you know, you're thinking, why isn't thoughts a first cause and then words? Don't you have to think something to be able to say it? Okay, let me explain that to you. I want everybody right now to think about a pink elephant. Just for fun. Just imagine with me a pink elephant. Can, are you able to do that? 
right? Let's, uh, just, you, you know what an elephant looks like, right? Just imagine a pink one. Just real quick. It can be big, small, whatever you want. Everybody got it in your mind? Now, the reason I said a pink elephant is because there's no such thing. But your mind is so powerful, it can come up with scenarios that will never happen in your life. I mean, you can, listen, if you, if you battle fear, you can go to bed thinking that a Terminator is going to come from back from, from 2025 back in time to kill your child tomorrow at kindergarten. That's how bad your mind is. Am I lying? Your mind is crazy, right? Your husband can have one bad day. He can ignore you for one minute, and your mind will tell you all the reasons you should divorce, who's going to get the money, how it's all going to work. You can see the whole thing play off, right? Your boss can treat you bad for 10 seconds at work, and you already have the way you're going to quit and how it's going to be a big spectacle. Let everybody know what a jerk he or she is. You've thought that a hundred times. Do not lie unless I'm your boss and you're in here. <laughs> then you can lie. But anyway, and so, so, so pink elephant. Everybody got pink elephant. Everybody say pink elephant. Okay, now, I don't know if y'all can see the board. Can y'all see the board from here? Where? Okay, let me move back. So I want everybody to read this scripture out loud. Isaiah 43, 19, ready, read. God can make a way where there... Read it again, go. God can... Read it again, go. Okay, now listen. While you were reading that, you stopped thinking about the pink elephant. Now you're thinking about the pink elephant again because I said pink elephant. But while you had God's word coming out of your mouth and into your spirit and into your ears, you stopped thinking. Look, listen, this is a first cause. No matter what you're thinking, no matter what you're feeling or what you believe, you've got to go back to the, the, the beginning, the seed that created the root. Understand? Okay, so I have three points for you today for your notes. Ready? Three points. Number one is this, Satan's words. Satan's words. I, I need you to understand, and I don't want to freak any of y'all out, but listen real close. Satan speaks to you. Satan has a mouth. You need to know what his voice sounds like. His voice does not sound like James Earl Jones. His voice does not sound like that creature on Lord of the Rings. What, I don't know the name of it. I don't really watch. What's the creature's name? What is it? Column. Dollum. Dollum? You know, when all y'all are talking at once, it's hard to hear. Anyway, so it doesn't sound like that. That's not what his voice sounds like, okay? Here's what his voice sounds like. Revelation 12.10, he's the accuser of the brethren. Listen, he always accuses. He always accuses. You're a bad mom because you gave your kids McDonald's chicken fingers, and you know there's no chicken in those chicken fingers, and so you're a bad mom. <laughs> You're a horrible husband because you weren't able to pay a bill. You lost your whatever, you know. Um, Satan says his voice is always accusing you. You didn't do right. God's mad at you. You've repented for that thing 12 times just last month. You need to stop talking to God about it. He doesn't want to hear it anymore. This is what his voice sounds like. Demons can talk. They talked in the Bible. And again, I don't want to freak you out. They talk through people's vocal cords. I want you to know that Satan can speak to you through people. People that are related to you. People that should be affirming you. He can speak through people. Do you, which disciple did Satan himself speak to Jesus through? Anybody know? Peter. Peter told Jesus, you don't need to go and die. And Jesus looked at him and said, get thee behind me. I'm sure Peter thought, where is he at? I, what are you talking about? Now, whether Satan was in him, on him, through him, next to him, left him, I don't, whatever your theology is on demons, I don't care. The point is, is, is he was speaking the voice of Satan to Jesus. 
Satan spoke to Adam and Eve, he can speak to you. You have to understand. Here's what his voice sounds like. It's gossip. It's slander. He brings up things that people have repented for. If you've repented for it and anyone brings it up, it is Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. He sows discord. If you're curious what his voice sounds like, the Bible says God hates discord. Hates it. He didn't say that about murder, even though that's bad. He said that about discord. Satan. Here's how you know if Satan is, um, is lying or deceiving or manipulating. Here's how you know if his lips are moving. If his lips are moving, it is the most evil. evil. And listen, Satan knows scripture. And he can twist it. And I'll teach you that sometime in the next few months. Satan can just, he can barely twist it just a little bit. You know, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can divorce this one and marry this one and divorce this and marry this one because God gave you the strength to do it. Well, that's not biblical. So he can twist it, right? You, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Yeah, you should get on top of that building and jump off because you can fly like Superman because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He twists things. That's why you have to know the word. I can't know the word for you. I'm your pastor, and that's great. you got to get in the word. That's the only way you'll know if it's the voice of Satan or not. Because there are people in your life. Listen, if you listen to the wrong word, listen. I, I, don't, I don't care how spiritual you are or how long you've been saved. If you plant yourself around the wrong words, if you plant yourself, if you allow, even if you stand inactive, according to Psalms 1-3, if you're around people that are speaking words that are opposite of this, I promise you, you'll be at an opposite destination is what this wants you to be at. Because words are a first cause. Now, you don't need to fear Satan and his mouth, because guess what? You have a mouth too. And you don't need to talk to his Satan, you need to talk at him. It says in Matthew 8-16, Jesus drove out demons with a a word. A word. If you can't think of any other word you can think of, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. If that's the only scripture you know, the Lord rebuke you. Satan has a mouth and he'll use it. And let me show you some analogies in the Bible um, on, on Satan's mouth. It's all about floods. Watch this. Psalms 93.3. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves. Now, either water was talking to the psalmist... Or the mouth of Satan was, was engulfing him. Watch this. Psalm 69, 1 and 14. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Deliver me from the deep waters who hate me. Do not let the flood waters engulf me. Revelation 12, 15. The serpent. Now watch. The serpent represents Satan. And the, the female, the woman, represents you and I. It's the bride of Christ. Okay? I want you to see what the goal is for Satan's mouth concerning the bride of Christ. The serpent hurled water like a river out of his mouth to the woman, which is so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. Satan's goal is to get you, watch this, listen, it's so cool to get you away from the word of God and listen to his mouth. So he will try to get you out of church, out of relationships that God's put in your life, away from teachers, elders, people that love you, spiritual authority in your life, because he doesn't want you to hear God's word, he wants you to hear his mouth. Let me show you a powerful scripture, Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy comes in like a, like a what? Blood. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a what? Standard. Here's the standard right here. But if you don't know the standard, you're not going to have the power you need to prevent those voices from giving you the wrong thoughts, wrong feelings, wrong beliefs, and get you to the wrong destiny. 
Um, this past week, you know, if you, if, you ever, if you ever want to know what I'm going through in life, just listen to whatever the sermon's about, okay? There, I, I can't get away from it. There, I can't even tell you how whatever I'm going through that week, it always has to do with the sermon. One Sunday, I'm going to preach on winning the lottery and just see what happens that week because it's always a battle. So last week, I preached on the mouth, okay? This week, I'm preaching on words, right? So I'm studying to preach on words. My mouth fast, now I'll share it with you. My mouth fast was to go one week and not correct my wife. That was my goal. Because no one wants to be married to their parent, right? They wanted their best friend. They don't want to be corrected all the time. There are times in our marriage once every four or six months where we do need to deal with something. But it's not my job to correct her if she says something or does something that doesn't even need to be corrected. You, you know what I'm, is anybody else like that, right? You just correct, you like, why do you got to correct, you know? And she'll say things like, and this is just an example, not too accurate, but, you know, didn't Michael J. Fox do so good in Star Wars? Or um, didn't Han Solo drive that DeLorean really well? Things like that, you know, that, that don't need to be corrected. They're incredibly wrong, but they don't need to be corrected, right? So I just, so I'm failing my mouth fast. I'm preaching on words. I get an email while I'm doing this from someone that's supposed to love me and I thought we had a great relationship and they're a lot older than me and they just blasted me, just blasted me, just all hurtful, hateful things. 20 years ago, you did this. and da-da-da. So I'm battling that. My wife walks into the room during this and she's crying. And I said, what's wrong? Her short group is called Zip It. It's on the mouth. And she was doing some, you know, doing her Jesus time and something came to mind that someone spoke over her 17 years ago. And it was just, she just felt this, this huge weight of, of pain and failure. And I was like, honey, just let it go. It's no, she said, but, but I was a child and it hurt so bad. I said, I know, but they didn't mean it. And people just say things. So she's crying. I'm upset. I failed my mouth fast. Someone sent me something nasty. Then that night at dinner, that night, Tuesday night, we're at Bob Evans. We're all around the table. And one of my children very kindly just says to me, Dad, about a year ago, you said this and this to me. And it hurt me so bad. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a failure. Life is over. Just take me now. What was that TV? Sanford and Son. Just, I'm coming home, Bertha. Just take me now. You know. Okay, I said all that to tell you this. Listen, it is not God's job to stop the negative words from coming into your ears or coming out of your mouth. It's not God's job. Listen, you have to be mature enough because words are all around us. People are all around us. They say things. You have to be mature enough to get yourself away from people that don't speak faith into you. You have to be mature enough to shut your mouth unless you're going to say something that's filled with faith. You, it's not God's job. It's not your pastor's job. It's not your parents' job. Your parents will say things that are negative over you. No one's perfect. That's why. Not because they don't love you, but nobody's perfect. So I want to read you a scripture. Don't put it on the board yet. You know the scripture where we say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Everybody knows that? When you think of the word weapon, most of you think of a gun, a knife, or a lightsaber. One of those three things is what we think of, okay? So, I think of a lightsaber, you think of whatever you want to think of. Anyway, and so, when you hear that scripture, you think, well, weapon. You know, you know what the rest of that scripture says? Isaiah 54, 17, put it up there. No weapon formed against you will prosper, and every word spoken against you, you shall declare wrong. First of all, let's just acknowledge that the mouth can do more damage than a machine gun. Let's just start with that, right? 
Countries fall, not because someone got shot, but because somebody's mouth. Relationships destroyed. Companies go under because somebody couldn't control their mouth. But listen, you have to be the one. It is your responsibility as a child of God not to let the wrong words create a root. Not to let those seeds get on the inside because a bitter root from bitter words will produce bitter thoughts, bitter emotions. It'll get you to a bitter destination for your life. Um, you know, and, and point number one is my longest one, okay? So point two, I'm still going to be at 30 minutes. So if any of y'all are worried about whatever you have in your crock pot or whatever. Anyway, so do you realize that God created with words in Genesis 1, right? Words. Satan, listen. And Satan, you know, the, um, if you think of the word um, uh, wicked, he's very wicked. It comes from the same word that wicker furniture. Wicker furniture is you twist it. It's to twist. Satan loves to twist what God says. And so God's creating with words and Satan comes along. Do you know Adam and Eve, they were connected to God through words. That was their connection. They, they walked and talked in the cool of the day. They were connected. So Satan thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use my words to disconnect them from God's word. And Satan never outright just says, you know, he just never flat out says what he's going to do. He always starts to see if you're actually going to have a conversation in your mind with him. Because he knows if you can, you'll start having the wrong feelings, wrong beliefs, and it'll go on and on. So in Genesis 3.1, Satan says to the woman, did God really say? I mean, did, did God, like he didn't say, God said, da, da. did God say not to eat any tree in the garden? Did God, did God really say that you were forgiven for that? Did God really say that you were fearfully and wonderfully made? Did God really say that he could bring somebody great into your life? Did God really say that he saved you? Did God really say that? And if you let Satan's words get inside, did God really say that this person, did, did, if, if you let it get inside of you, I promise you the root that that seed causes will be so much destruction in your life. In verse 4, the snake replied, what God said is not true. Started off so subtly, then he just hit them with it. And Eve made the mistake of letting the wrong words get on the inside. Now, I want to say something before I go to point number two, which I think is the most profound statement of today. Okay, But you got to hear it out. Don't judge it by the first five seconds. Listen to the whole thing. Satan cannot kill you. I know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his goal, but he can't outright kill you because if Satan could kill you, he would have already done it. If Satan could kill you the day you began to research Jesus, before you got saved, he would have killed you so you'd be with him forever. If Satan could kill you, you'd be dead right now. So what he does is, he deceives you into killing yourself. If he can't kill you, he'll just get you to get around the wrong words. Start speaking out the wrong things about yourself. Start hanging around the wrong people where all of this gets planted inside of you and you will end up killing yourself in the very end. What I mean by that is destroying your destiny. Same thing. It's the same thing. He'll get you to just believe his lies, act on it over and over again till you're at a negative character and a negative destination. 
That should have been the whole sermon, honestly. But I have two more points. Aren't you excited about that? Okay. <laughs> these, are, these are quick. Point number two. Ready? Um, Isaiah 57, 19. I create the fruit of the lips. Point number two is this. My words. My words. My words overpower everybody else's words. That's why our words got to line up with God's words. Because our words can overpower God. So um, the lady with the issue of blood in Matthew chapter 9. Remember the woman with the bleeding disorder. She bled for 12 years. Now, I know that, that women, you know, they have their little... Anyway, and so, but men, we hate blood. And we hate it. I mean, if we get a paper cut, maybe I'm speaking for myself. But if I get a paper cut, I'm like... <laughs> you know, this past week I had to take one of my kids to do some blood work. And I'm about to pass out. And the nurse is like, just sit what do you look like? Go, go play on your phone. I'm like, but my child, my child. And, my, and it was Asher. And Asher's like, Dad, I'm okay. Like, go away. It's all good. But Asher, they're taking your, there's a lot of blood. So anyway, so we don't like to bleed. 12 years of bleeding. 12 years. Now let's just, I'm just think about it. What was going through her mind after the first 12 months of not getting well and, and all the doctors, no one could treat her. She spent all of her money. Her thoughts were probably, I'm never going to get well her feelings were probably insecure. Every outfit had blood on it. You couldn't go to Walmart and get a new one. She probably felt guilty. What have I done wrong? Why, why is this my lot in life? Then she started to believe, I'm never going to get well. There's, no, there's nothing for me. I've tried everything there is to try. And then her actions, she probably sat at home, closed the blinds, ate Briar's ice cream, and watched reruns of NCIS. That was her life for 12 years. Her habits, she did it over and over to the point where everybody knew her. That's the one. That's the woman that bleeds. Her that's the woman that's never going to get well. Her character was so low. And guess what? Her destination was right where Satan wanted it to be. But one day she came to solid rock. One day she heard Jesus was coming through her town. One day she was around some person that filled her with such faith and told her, you will not die from this disease Something happened. She heard a word. Jesus was coming to town. And in Matthew 9, 21, she kept saying to herself, Man, do you see how powerful that is? I might not have anybody else. I might not can get, you know, T.D. Jakes on YouTube. I might not. But guess what? I can keep saying to myself, I know when I get to Jesus, I will be made whole. I know when I get to Jesus. And she kept saying it over and over and over and over. And she began to think, could I actually get well? I know when I get to Jesus, I'll be made well. I know when I get to Jesus, I'll be made well. She started to feel uh, faith again. And she's not weak today. It's the first day in 12 years she's had some energy in her life. She started to believe, maybe this guy can actually heal me. And then she said, I'm going to leave my house and see if I can talk to him. And she got out of her house. And with every single bit of energy she had inside of her, I don't know if you've ever been to a concert and you try to rush the stage like, imagine trying to rush the stage at a KISS concert, right? She's trying to rush up to Jesus, and with every ounce inside of her, she jumps, and her finger touches the hem of his garment. And in verse 22, Jesus stopped everything and said, Daughter, your faith. Not your pastor's faith, not your mama's faith, not your spouse's faith. Your faith has made you well. At that moment, the woman became well, she went from her words to God's destiny. Don't use your words to describe your situation. Use your words to change your situation. You may be right where this woman was at in life. Listen, it all starts with the right words. It all starts with the right words. Um, years ago, um, when I first learned this principle, it was about 10, maybe 12 years ago. 
and I, I was preaching, and um, and I always love wearing suits. And nowadays it's, it's, it's so funny because nowadays pastors wear T-shirts, but you know when I was growing up, all the preachers I watched on TV they all wore suits, so I love suits. Well, when I started preaching, um, this was maybe 12, 15 years ago. They didn't make slim fit suits like they, now they're everywhere. And if you can't tell, I'm slim fit, and so. And so there was nowhere a suit that could fit me. The only way to get a suit to fit me was to get it custom made, five, six, seven hundred dollars. I didn't have money for that. And now you see slim, you know, suits everywhere you look. But I was, I was, I mean, I've gained a little bit, but I was 15 in the neck, 35 arms, 30 in the waist, and 34 in the length. So like it was like Gumby. Like you couldn't, I mean, it was like, just can we put, you know, two pencils, something on two pencils, and we'll be done. But anyway. And so, I, so all my suits were hand-me-downs from other preachers here in Myrtle Beach. When I started my church, other preachers, I said, what can we do to help you? And I said, well, I don't have any suits. So they'd give me their suits, and I'd try to get them tailored, but no matter how much they tailored them, they were still too big, and it, you, just, you could tell I was wearing somebody else's suit. But I wore it anyway because I loved it. I loved it. Well, when I learned this principle, that week in my prayer time, I heard God just say to me, not out loud, but it was just in my spirit, he said, son, I want to buy you a new suit. And it wasn't enough for God to say it. Because God has spoken so many promises over our life. He's spoken so many great things. It's not enough just for him to say it. We have to say it. We have to get an agreement with God. So that week, I began to thank God in my prayer time out loud. God, thank you for my new suit. Thank you for my new suit. Just as simple as that. Thank you for my new suit. That Sunday morning... Me and my son, Zach, he was eight or nine years old, and he used to wear suits to match me when he was real little. He loved wearing suits. So we were on our way to church one Sunday, and I was praying, and he said, what are you saying? I said, I'm just thanking God for my new suit. He said, did you get a new suit? Because then, of course, he would want one. You know, like I, and I said, not yet, but I feel like God's going to get me a new suit. And I've always taught my kids about money, and Zach was always the best one with finances and doing that. He said, well, how much is it going to cost? I said, probably five or six, seven hundred dollars. He started laughing because he knew, you know, he knew money. And he said, I said, what are you laughing? He's like, Dad, there's no way. That's so much money. I said, Zach, I promise. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for my, just thank you, Jesus, for my new suit. That Sunday, on the way to church, we pull up at a storefront church where I'm pastoring. This guy who'd been coming to church for several weeks, who was a hell's angel, hell's angel. He had long white hair in back, long white hair in front. He comes up to my door to where I can't open the door. So now I'm a little bit scared too. He's six foot four, tall guy. Zach's there. And so I roll down the window about this much just to talk to him. And he says, preacher. And I said, yeah. He said, I feel like I'm supposed to buy you a new suit. I look at him. I look back down at Zach. I look back at him. And I said, really? He said, go anywhere you want to. That Wednesday, I go to Joe Say Bank, you know, mall, and they custom fit me. A pre- it was like six, seven hundred dollars. That week, the suits were buy one get one half off. So I call the Hell's Angel guy. He comes up there. He buys himself a suit. So me and Hell's Angel are next to each other, getting fitted for suits. <laughs> that Sunday morning, that it all happened. Great service, you know. I'm so excited. We get back in the car. Me and Zach after church on the way home, and Zach's saying something under his breath. I said, what are you saying, buddy? He said, I'm just thanking God for a million dollars. I said, that's not how it works, son. That's not really the... So here's what I want you to see before we go to point number three. The goal is not to get God in agreement with our words. 
The goal is to get our words in agreement with God. Make sure you understand that. The goal is not whatever you say God does, which let me tell you this. In, in, in reality, you can have whatever you want in life. You, can. you can't have everything you want, but you can have anything you want. If you focus hard enough, whatever, but it might not be what God wants for you. So the goal is for you to get your mouth in line with God's mouth. You know, every Sunday I wake up, I've rarely ever in my life felt anointed when I wake up on Sunday morning. I've rarely ever woke up on Sunday morning and thought, it's going to be a great day today. I usually wake up a little bit scared, anxious, fearful, sometimes discouraged. Um, is the sermon going to do anything? You know, what's, uh, that's, that's, that's a lot of how I wake up. Tired, cranky. But do you know by the time praise and worship starts and my mouth starts lining up with what God's word says, and before I ever preach to you, I always start with the Lord has anointed me. You know, Luke 4.18 tells us all the reasons we're anointed. The first thing it lists is we're anointed to preach. I don't say that because I'm spiritual. I don't say that because I'm a great man of God. I don't say that because I'm anointed. I say that because I feel fear. I have thoughts of discouragement, worry. And I don't want my life to follow that. So out of my mouth, I always proclaim, the Lord has anointed me. Point number three is this, God's word. God's word. If you ever want to know God's will for your life, you got to get in God's word. Romans 2.18 says, by reading the scriptures, you will know and understand his will. I know some of you are thinking, well, I've been doing this mouth thing for seven days and nothing's changed in my life. Yeah, but you've been doing it the wrong way for 20 years. It's going to take some of y'all some consistency to start seeing this happen in your life. If you ever feel out of place, you think, where do I belong? I just don't know where I belong. Listen, you belong in God's word. That's the first cause. If you'll get in his word, if you'll serve a church faithfully wherever you're needed, whether you're the star of the show or you're back in the back greeting people, we're all equal. We're all needed just as much. Find your place in God. If you will get in the word, you'll always find your place. John 6, 63, the spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words, 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 words that I speak to you are spirit and they make life. If you want life produced, you have to have a life seed. The only life seed is the word of God. Um, in Ezekiel, we sang the song earlier, Ezekiel has a vision of dry bones, dead bones. They're broken, they're brittle, they're human bones all over the ground. And God says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, I don't know. You're God. So God said in Ezekiel 37 verse 4, prophesy to the dry bones. Prophesy means this. Speak what God says. It doesn't say, Ezekiel, read the doctor's report. Ezekiel, tell them what your, what your daddy spoke over you when you were little. Ezekiel, what are all your friends gossiping about? Ezekiel, what did you read on Facebook? <laughs> He said, Ezekiel, say what God says. Now, thank God Ezekiel could hear from God and knew the word of God. Some of you might need to open up your Bibles. But he said to prophesy, speak it out. So verse 7 says, so I prophesied, oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And he began to speak what God said to speak. And at those words, there was earthquake, thunder, bones came together. And now they're all lined up and there's muscle and organs and tissue coming together. But they're laying on the ground. And God said, well, Ezekiel... Uh, are they going to live? And Ezekiel says, I don't know. You're God. So in verse 9, God said, well, Ezekiel, speak to the breath. 
So Ezekiel said, uh, God commands you, uh, dead bodies, breathe. And just like that, they came together and created a mighty army ready to do the bidding of God Almighty because one man spoke the word of the Lord. When we say God's word says all of heaven stands to attention, ready to fight on your behalf and get you to the destination God has for you. I want, I want to close with a, uh, a story. Uh, Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes by hearing the word, the word, the word, the word of the Lord. You know, this whole World War III stuff that was going on, I, I love researching history because I think that if we would research history more, we would make better decisions now in, in the world. And so I was researching different wars and I was reading about the Vietnam War and I came across a testimony of a guy. And so I want to kind of read it to you. And I'm going to tell you part of it, story from my mouth. But then I'm going to move to this guy's writings, the way he's writing. It's like a diary that he had. Uh, during the Vietnam War, there was an interpreter who worked with the military chaplains from America. He was 17 years old. His name was Him Pham. And as he spoke for the chaplains, thousands of people during that time got saved. Just, just that, that analogy in itself is so cool how we're supposed to prophesy, speak what God says. He was interpreting for preachers. And his interpretations went to the crowd and thousands got saved over and over and over again. So just amazing an analogy right there. And so when Vietnam fell, Pham was arrested and accused of working with the CIA. He said, I've never worked with the CIA. They said, your English is too good. He said, I'm an interpreter for preachers. They said, you wouldn't tell us if you were from the CIA. He said, but I'm not. They threw him in prison, put him in a prison camp, and he wasn't allowed to have anything in English to read. He could only give, be given Vietnamese and French, which he couldn't read very well at all. They spent day after day pounding into his head, there's no God. The wrong words over and over and over. There's no God. You'll never be rescued. You're going to die here, on and on. Finally, one day he decided to live as if there is no God. He woke up one morning. He said, I have no more hope. I have no desire to serve you ever again. I will never pray to you again. That day, he was assigned by the commanding officer to clean the latrines. Now, a latrine was a communal outhouse. An outhouse, for those of you who don't know, is a little place where everybody uses the bathroom outside and there's no plumbing. Okay, And that's what he was supposed to clean. He said in his diary, you've never ever imagined a latrine like this. You had to tie cloth after cloth after cloth around your mouth and nose just to clean it. As I was mopping up and cleaning, I looked in one of the buckets and I saw a piece of paper with words in English. I quickly grabbed it, washed it off, and put it in my pocket. That night, everyone went to sleep except for me. I waited and waited, and I took out that piece of paper along with my flashlight. The top of the paper said, Romans chapter 8. That night, I read Romans 8.28, All things work together for good for those who love God. You can put the scripture up there. He said, I started crying. God, today I woke up 
saying, I'd never pray to you again. Now I'm holding in my hand the one verse that I needed more than anything else, that all things work together for my good because I choose to love you. I got on my knees and I begged God for forgiveness. I woke up in the morning. I went straight to the commanding officer and I said, Sir, do you mind if I clean the latrines again? He said, that day I picked up another page out of the New Testament Bible. Day after day after day, I discovered the commanding officer was given a Bible in English. He would tear the pages out of it every day and use them as toilet paper and throw it in the bin. So every day I washed it off, I put it in my pocket, and I had a New Testament devotion every night before I went to bed. The last day in which there was no Bible scriptures in the toilet, in the commode, that night, through a series of miraculous events, I was released. I ran as fast as I could, as far as I could, and I managed to find 52 other people who had been hiding out. We decided to build a boat and try to escape. Just a few days before the boat was to be finished, four Viet Cong came knocking on our hut. Are you trying to escape? No, sir. Are you telling us the truth? Yes, sir. Are you trying to escape? No. Are you telling us the truth? Yes. They left. I slapped my forehead. I said, God, I'm so sorry. Once again, I asked for you to help me and only for me to do the wrong thing and lie. God, if you want me to tell them the truth, just have them come back and ask me again before we escape. On the day we were set to escape, these four Viet Cong soldiers came back, this time armed with guns. They broke into our hut. They grabbed me by the neck, ran me up against the wall and said, you're trying to escape, aren't you? He said, yes, we are. There's 53 of us. We're all hiding out. We built a boat down the way and we're planning to escape in just a few hours. Are you going to kill me? The four soldiers said, no, we want to go with you. <laughs> These four Viet Cong soldiers came with us. On the high seas, there were so many times we would have capsized but these four men were the greatest mariners we could have ever wanted to have. They brought us safely to Thailand where I became a refugee, met my wife. I later made it to the great U.S. of A. to go to seminary where I am now a pastor. <laughs> Isaiah 55, 11. My word will go out and it will never Return void. The one words that you can speak, listen to, write or, write or read that will never come back void is the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm asking you to bow your heads with us. Our, our music team can come up. Our prayer partners can come down. And I just want to give a few minutes with your head bowed, your eyes closed. I do this every Sunday because I want to give a second for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If the Holy Spirit does not speak to you, then I don't believe anything of significance has been done today. So just take a minute. Just say, Lord, what area of my life am I experiencing the wrong destination? What area of my life are, am, I, am I believing a lie? that I'm not as good as this person, not as good as that person, that you can't use me like this. 
What, what thoughts of, of fear, anxiety, worry, what, what's, what in my life do I need to go back and say, what seed has been planted? Is it Satan's words? Is it somebody else's? Is, is my mouth gone in the wrong direction? And if so, I want, I want during this series, I want you to recognize it so you can uproot whatever that is and begin planting the right, the God words on the inside. Because you will never get to where God wants you to be if your origin was not His word. So I want to pray for you. I just want to take a second. If you're here today and God strongly spoke to you and you know that there's some conviction going on and, and you need the Holy Spirit's help, can you just lift your hands so I can pray for you right now? Just keep your hands up just for 30 seconds. It's a sign of faith. We do this. So Lord, every person that, that has the hand up that just recognizes, I need the Holy Spirit's help. I can't do this on my own. Lord, right now I just ask that you just give them your favor, give them your wisdom, give them your, your convicting power to step up. <clears throat> Lord, strengthen them. Give them the courage to um, either uh, uh, to shut their mouth in times they need to shut their mouth or to step away from, from, from the wrong mouths. <clears throat> Whatever it is, God, I just, I just believe, I declare right now that you are, you are speaking to them very clearly and that you will never call them to do something without giving them the strength to do it. I pray in Jesus' name right now. And you know what? By the sound of my voice, every person in here, has had the wrong words spoken to you or over you. I rebuke those words. The Lord rebuke you. And Satan, if you dare, if you dare, if you dare try to get anyone to pull any of these people out of God's will for their life, Satan, you hadn't seen nothing. We pray against you in Jesus' name. We rebuke your evil lying mouth. We rebuke every deceitful demon. And I loose right now uh, courage to step up to the plate. Courage to open up our mouths and say what God would want us to say. Clarity to prophesy God's word over our life, our marriage, our finances, our church, our health, our bodies. I ask it right now in Jesus' mighty, miraculous name. And everybody said... Amen. Y'all stand to your feet. We're going to worship with one more song. If you're visiting, I would love, love, love to see you face-to-face -face in our fellowship hall after service. Prayer partners are down front. There's prayer partners at the back. If you need prayer during this last song, God bless. We love you. We'll see you next week. We call out to dry bones. Come alive. Come alive. We call out to dead hearts. Come alive. Oh God, now.
guys so much. We'll see you next week. Love God, love people. Tide statements are in the foyer. <laughs>